have power to save but Jesus Christ alone. No other name. Um, open your Bibles, if would please, to Romans chapter 10. The book of Romans chapter 10. I title the message tonight, Keeping Our Feet Beautiful. Keeping our feet beautiful. I won't ask you to show me your to show me your feet tonight. That is not what it's about. I certainly will not dare show you mine. <laughs> uh, but you know, they are they are different feet, um, types of feet. And for example, I wanted to illustrate this. But to tell you the truth, I pick the least one, the least ugliest feet. Look at this. There are some ugly feet out there. If you are out there with this, (laughs) go see a doctor. (laughs) There are some ugly feet out there. And this is one that I could show you. There are others that you will not listen to the message at all. There are feet there that are, you, then you have the dirty feet. Ladies, or you like, you know, when your husband is working in the yard and so on and want to crawl right into bed with something looking like that. No way, right? Go wash your feet. Go clean your feet. I mean, <clears throat> I know that because I've experienced it myself. <laughs> when my wife said, go wash your feet. Go clean your feet. You know, Having good feet, I think, is like um, something that is uh, a gift. Something like, like this next one, I will never have. No. I will never. And I'm not just talking just because of the color. I mean, I will never have something like that. <laughs> but there are feet that are that always precious. This next set of feet is the type of feet you want to dip in chocolate and just go, yum, 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 yum. Baby feet, right? Everybody likes to take a baby feet and just numb on it because they're so precious, they're so cute. We all started like that, then it gets ugly. <laughs> but we all started like that. Keeping our feet beautiful. Romans chapter 10, if you would please. Before we get there, I'm going to read some scripture for you. You could remain there. I'm going to read some scripture from from you to, uh, to you that the church that the Bible says that as believers and as a church we have a mandate a mandate of why we're here for example in Matthew chapter 5 verse 13 he said you are the salt of the earth but if the salt have lost its savor where shall it be salted it is sent for good for nothing but to cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and give it light unto all that are in the house. This other familiar verse from Matthew 28, verse 18 through 20, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore 
The reason he says that to go is because he has the power. And because he has the power, he says, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Mark chapter 16, verse 15. Familiar verse again. And he said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And after his resurrection, and after his resurrection, after spending 40 days with his disciples, he again gave them a mandate in this also familiar verse in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. The mandate to preach the gospel. The mandate to go and deliver this good news. The mandate to go to every creature and teach them everything that have given to, to us through his name, through his word. That's a mandate. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 6, we, we are preaching through the book of, through the armor of God over, over there at Mosaic. And in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 15, you see, God is so good to, to us that he gave us uh, uh, armor to, war, to wear every day of this, you know, of, of our lives. So we don't walk around spiritually naked, but covered. And part and a section of that armor are the feet. He says, verse 15, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. It's very interesting that our feet, the shoes, that the thing that cover our feet, God is the gospel. It's the gospel that moves forward, that keep us moving that keep us going and gaining ground for the Lord. The gospel is the blood engine of the believer and the church. It is what keeps us moving forward. And the gospel, God, through his word, God has given us the message. Now in Romans chapter 10. A very familiar passage. I think, I believe that I mentioned it last week as we close in the and in the um, report, the mission report from the church last week, we're going to go over it a little bit again, beginning with verse 9. Romans chapter 10, verse 9. It says there, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thy heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture said, Whosoever believe on him shall not be ashamed. 
For there is no difference, praise God, between the Jew and, and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Isn't it great that he says that if you confess, if you believe in your heart, that's a different kind of belief. That's a salvation belief. That's a true faith belief. That's a trusting belief. And he said, in your heart, where deposit all my will and attention and trust. He said, believe in your heart unto righteousness and confession is made with my mouth. It's amazing that that transaction, only God could do that. That the vilest sinner can be transcended from hell into everlasting places in a quick transaction through faith, in prayer, in trusting in Jesus Christ. No religion, no works, just trust in his name. I'm particularly happy for verse 11 where he said, for the scripture, the scripture, this is not a man-made um, idea. The scripture say, whosoever. You are included in that whosoever. Everyone is included in that whosoever. You don't have to be a, partic- a particular type of people, a t- particular type of person, whosoever. The one that is sitting in a palace to the one that is sitting in, 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 in the filth in a corner. Whosoever is either one call upon the name of the Lord, both can be saved. Whosoever. For there is no difference. There is no difference with God. He is rich. Praise God for that. He is rich in salvation, in, in, in giving righteousness to all who call upon him. But then we continue with verse 14. The gospel has a strategy. God just didn't leave the message there. He gave the message and he pointed out to his disciples and to the church a strategy. It was never the intent of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It never intent of God for the gospel to stay just in one place. He gave them a strategy. Yes, whosoever shall call. Yes, whosoever believe. Yes, whosoever come confess, but then he posed this question. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How they shall call on on him in whom they have not believed? We preach the gospel, but the gospel is set upon a firm, never changes, set a belief and truth and principles. It's not just coming to church. It's not just say I'm affiliated to this denomination or, or, 
or another. It's not about saying, I've been born in this church. I've been here all my life. No. How can they call on him who are not believe? They are a set of belief and truth that are important in order to be saved. It might surprise you to know this, folks. There are over 4,000, listen to this, 4,000 recognized religions in the world. Over 4,000 recognized religions in the world. That's a whole lot of beliefs. These religions consist of churches, congregations, faith groups, tribes, cultures, and movements. Even though there are so many, three quarters of the world population practice one of the five major religions. But still, over 4,000 recognized religions, that's a whole lot of beliefs. And today, it's not just religion, but secularism has turned into a religion. According to sociologists, Ariela Kaysar and Joachim Navarro Rivera, they review a numerous global studies on atheism. And there are about 450 to 500 million positive, I don't know what that means, atheists and agnostics worldwide. That 7% of world population, and just in China, just in China, lies the majority of these people. According to this same study, it expected that Christianity will lose a net of 68 million adherents by the year 2050. 66 million adherents by the year 2050. A Gallup poll in 2021 revealed another great number for Christians. Church membership in the U.S. has fallen below to 50% for the first time. 50%. Today, there is so much belief out there that even some that said they profess Christianity are turned away from the truths of God's word and what the Bible says and turn to their own religion and expectation and understanding of their own gospel and created their own thing. Folks, it is important. It is important what we believe. Go to the book of Jude, chapter 1, if you would please. Back in your Bible. Book of Jude. Verse 3. Jude, verse 3, he said, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, 
it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Here we're talking the first century and they're already talking about that it was necessary to contend for the faith that was once delivered. When, when, people, when they mention God or people mention about God, they perhaps are not talking about the same God you and I believe or the same God the Bible talks about. In 2 Timothy, Paul warned, I'm, I'm sorry, in 2 Thess- Thess- Thessalonians chapter 2, Paul in his letter to this church, he warned them about the same very thing and how to hold on to the things that they have learned. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 15. He says, Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the tradition which you have been taught, whether by word or, or, or epistle or letter. He says, hold fast. Hold on to them. Satan is trying hard to disturb and to change the facts about what the gospel is all about. Paul warned Timothy about this in 2 Timothy chapter 1. If you could go there for a second. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 13. Paul told Timothy... Hold fast to the form of sound words which thou have heard of me in faith and love which is in Christ. That good thing which, I, which was committed unto thee keep by the Holy Ghost which dwelleth in us. This you know that all they which are in Asia be turned away from, from, from me of whom are Philetus and Hermogenes. The Lord give mercy unto the house of Onesiphorus, for often refresh me and was not ashamed of my, of my chains. He said, hold fast, hold fast, be committed to these things. We have a mandate to go out there and preach the gospel. And how shall they believe? Going back to Romans chapter 10. How they call on him who have not believed, and how they shall believe in him who they have not heard. Just by listening to those statistics, we know that there are, pe- there are many people around the world that have never heard the name of Jesus, that have never heard the gospel. About 25, 23 years ago, I had that experience when I went to Thailand, but let me tell you that even People around us right here in Hamilton, New Jersey, that have never heard the clear presentation of the gospel. And nothing can change. Yes, we're going to have Friends Day next week, but nothing can change the fact that you yourself or I myself will speak and go to that person and speak to them on our own, one-on-one. Nothing can change that. There are many folks that have never heard and lived around us. How they, and, and how shall they believe in him and who they have not heard? And how shall they hear 
without a preacher. And how shall they hear without a preacher? Thank God for preachers. Didn't hear amen, but that's all right. You're not hurting my feelings. <laughs> thank God for preachers. But thank God for good preachers. And I'm not talking those that are eloquent or bombastic or loud. I'm thinking about those who use the word of God correctly. Who use the word of God correctly. Who rightly divide the word of truth. Thank God for good preachers. We all here heard the gospel from somebody. Somebody tell us the gospel for the first time. Isn't it true? Let's see. Do you remember who gave us the gave you the gospel? Can you come to the mics, please? Do you remember who gave you the gospel for the first time? I'm not saying if you responded well or not, even if you rejected, but you remember who came to you and gave you the gospel. I'm not saying when you got saved, who gave you the gospel the first time? Anybody? Who gave you the gospel the first time? It was here at Faith Baptist Church at an Easter musical, Pastor Martins. He clearly told us that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, and you have to ask Jesus to be your personal Savior. He will represent you because you can't get into heaven on your own unless you're 100% perfect, which none of us are, but Jesus is. So it was here at church. Anybody else? Okay, we have somebody. We have somebody back there. But first, let's go to Sandy. Who gave Who gave you the Who gave you the gospel for the first time? My neighbor Tammy, when I was ten years old. Your neighbor Tammy, when you were ten years old, over there. It's actually my sister Gigi right here, and her Your husband. Your sister. Yeah, and um, that was probably about forty years ago or something, and um, they led me to the Lord. So that was. A sweet blessing. Amen. That's a, that's a good. Anybody? Else? Yes, over here. My mom. Your mother. That's nice. Old with you. Remember? Oh, of course. Five or six. Anybody else? Who gave you the gospel for the first time? Brother Dennis. Oh, got somebody there closer, Miss Christie. My cousin. Your cousin. Your cousin. Over here. Uh, the group was called the Family Circle from Halifax, Pennsylvania, and it was a gospel uh, music group, and we heard them present the gospel through song at a, at a campground. Amen. And then after that, at many campgrounds, Baptist preachers would come out to the campground on Sundays, and, and every Sunday it was a gospel message. And one day I went up to the, to the, to the pastor and I said, how come at every campground we go to, they're, they're always preaching the same message? And he said, because campers come and go Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and it's always a new group. So we had, a, we had a summer of hearing that same message about that same man named Jesus. And, uh, <laughs> but it all started, I believe, with the family circle. Amen. 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 Is there, is there one more? Do you remember the first time over here? The first time. Who told you about Jesus? I was seven years old. It was my Sunday school teacher in a Presbyterian church in Collingswood, New Jersey. And it wasn't until my later years I realized 
what it really meant, you know, because when you're yet that young, you know, sometimes, and it was then after that that I started to really grow. Amen. Amen. Thank you, gentlemen. I remember I was a young kid, and across the street where, where I live, I was about nine years old. Across the street where, where I live, there was this um, house that they were always having service. Um, there was a, a, the father of the house, he was a pastor. Um, it was 1979. 1979. And they, were, they have every night they had a service. And I would like to go to their house and they will and sit on the steps. I didn't participate of the service, but they had the tambourine and they were singing and have all the and they got all happy and they're there singing. And I, I went for the music to tell the truth, right? I, I enjoyed the music. And then he will preach and talk, and he will preach and he will talk about Jesus. And I started thinking about it. Never made a decision, but that was the first time where I started listening and heard the gospel. He was going to be a year later, a little bit more than a year later, at a Baptist church at 10 years old that I did my professional faith and I put my trust in Jesus. But the very first time was in that house where that group, that family, hosted services in their living room. And I would just go to listen, enjoy the music, and that's where the seed began to be planted. You know, thank God for those who planted the seed the very first time in our hearts. Thank God for those who took the, the, the courage to walk up to us and tell us about the Lord Jesus who were not afraid to share their testimony, who were not afraid to, to sit down with the Bible or, or strike a conversation, who saw our condition, who saw, who saw more than a face, who saw more than, a, than the clothes we were wearing, who saw us as eternal souls and loved us enough to come close and give us the gospel. Whether we receive it or not, God used that person to start planting the seed in her heart. Perhaps you responded at once, or maybe you were one of those that took longer in belief, but God was working through, through different people to bring his message to you. You see, the gospel, we cannot stop giving the gospel. The gospel is the blood engine of a church and of the believer. Is what keep us moving forward. Is what is necessary for there is continue new blood infusion and the kingdom to grow. Without this act of multiplication, without this act of carrying the gospel, of giving up, without this action of moving, the church is destined to die. There's a situation that by God's blessings I'm able to be part of now and for which I ask your prayers. And I'm going to mention names, but I'm going to ask for your prayers. Several months ago, in the month of March, two men sat down with me in a diner here in New Jersey. They sat down in, with, with me, they found out I was a missionary, and they're part of a church, perhaps maybe half an hour from, 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 from here, a Baptist church. And they came to me and they wanted to know 
how could I help them because the church were dying. The church were dying. It's a church that's been around even before our nation. In other words, this church been around even before the United States of America. That old that, that, that church is. But right now the church is down to just a few. Back there in March, of the two that were talking, one was very skeptic. Really not buying into the need of change and the need to get into the word of God and the need of the message of the word, of preaching. A month ago, I got a call from the pastor of that church and told me, Brother Edwards, they're going to be calling you again. I am retiring. I'm leaving. There's nothing I can do here. This church is destined to die. So I think they're ready to talk to you again. I say, okay, I'll wait. About a couple weeks ago, we met again, and they gave me the diagnostic. And they asked, what can you do? Listen, I'm not a miracle performer, okay? This is a God, this has to be a God thing. This has to be a God thing. First thing I say to them, I say, let's pray. Let's pray for a couple weeks, and then we meet again. What they wanted is, can you get us a pastor? Can you get us somebody to come and preach and preach and be our pastor? But after praying some, 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 some time, today after service, I went over there this afternoon and sat down and talked with them. And I told them, listen, I reached to this conclusion. Before you, there's a lot of work to be done before you get in a pastor. There's a lot of things that you need to do and work through before getting a pastor. You actually need to be disciple. You actually need to be disciple. Half of them grew up in that church. The oldest person at the table was 82 years old and she was born there. 82 years in the same church. She remembered the days when the church was running 500 people. When they had all sorts of ministries. When they were a driving force in their community. And now they just Maybe 15 people on Sunday morning. Huge building. Nice property. Strategically located. So I had to be pretty blunt to them today. And I said, listen. If you don't get disciple. And start seeking God. You will be the last generation of the church. You need to be disciple. So I ask for your prayers. They agreed to be discipled, looking for a special time and day during the week to do this, and start a process. But because I've seen this before, 
sadly, I know that the common denominator of these things happening is not so much because of the change in the community or the change of culture. No. It's because when a, when a believer or a church loses sight of the main purpose for what we have been, we have been given the gospel, it is to share it to everyone, to every creature, and get distracted with all the, you know, peripherals, this is what tends to happen. And it could happen in a personal life or in the life of a church. The gospel. And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? And how shall they preach except they be sent? What I'm going to show you now is 16 years in the making. I'm going to show you this picture. Those two are Don and Carmen. That picture was taken over there in Wisdom, that, that diner in Route 206. Don and Carmen, we met 16 years ago in Galloway, New Jersey at Mayland Baptist Church. That was the first Hispanic project ministry that as a family we did here in the U.S. Don is American, Carmen is from Colombia. When we met Carmen, Carmen told us, or told me, I would love for you to go to my town in Colombia to preach to them. They're so Catholic. They're so idolatrous. They have so many virgins and and statues. They really need the gospel over there. Back then, my plate was full. I didn't have the resources. We just started. Hannah was underway, right? Hannah was underway, and we were trying to figure out what we're going to do with this 2009 surprise. <laughs> now she's going to high school. That's good. And I say, Carmen, Don, let's pray. I end up in Venezuela, end up in Panama, end up in Raleigh. Six years ago, he retired, she retired, and he, they had such a burden for that town that they decide to pack up, leave the U.S., and go to Colombia. He's not a pastor. He was the principal of the school at that church. But he has such a burden. He visited twice that, that place and he could see the idolatry. He could see souls going to hell because of a wrong belief of God, a wrong belief of Jesus. And he just couldn't stand by. He couldn't just go and visit her family and go on vacation and look at this year after year without doing anything, without doing nothing. So they decided to pack up with a little, little, little Spanish that he knew and went down to Columbia and they started a Bible study at this house 
That's the house where she grew up. Carmen. So they started a Bible study there. For six years. And people start coming. She will translate for him. And he will give the gospel. And he will give discipleship. And he will preach on Sunday morning. Not a pastor. Not a preacher. Always know we need somebody here. We need somebody there. A few months ago, those that are in my arms are Wilman and Esther. Next picture, please. I know them basically since they were babies. They're from Venezuela. They're both from our church ministry. They're in Cumana, Venezuela. From they were babies. No, they're married. And they've been working in church and being prepared for ministry. In June, they accepted the call to leave Venezuela and go to Sinse. Watch this video. Right after our mission trip to Panama, I say goodbye to the team and I went over to Colombia. Went to Sinse. The first time I've been there, I met them there. And we hold meetings that week, every night. We have 49 adults show up, many decisions that night. And the last night, pray for them and entrust them to that work. Wilmen meet with me twice every week via technology. And we talk about things for, for the church. He's going to be, he's working more and his preparation and his um, training. And they're having children clubs for the first time. On Wednesday night, they're able to have over 35 children and teenagers come. And that church and Don and Carmen they're just ecstatic. Spoke to them and they're always saying, thank you, thank you, thank you. Say, you don't have to thank me, but thank you, thank you, thank you. He tell me, Ray, I can die now. I can die now because I know these people have somebody in their language they're going to teach them, are going to give them the gospel, are going to train them, are going to do. Those baptisms was the first Sunday where people waiting there for over a year to be baptized. 16 years in the making, but God is so faithful. God is so faithful. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Every place or person that the gospel touch is eternally exposed one way or the other. Do you remember the person that gave you the gospel? Do you think that was good? Aren't you glad because your life crossed in some way? Were those feet beautiful to you? Are they still beautiful today? Paul challenged Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4. I charge thee, verse 1, I charge thee therefore before God 
and the Lord Jesus Christ who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all land suffering and doctrine. Church, let the gospel drive us. Let's keep those feet beautiful until Jesus come. We are preparing in a couple weeks for a next month of missions conference. Missionary month. We will see missionaries come by. We will hear reports. We will see projects. We will give and pray. But it's also important for us to prepare and set our hearts and mind to what God is able to do through you in this world. Through you where you live. Through you to those around you. Let's keep the big picture. And may God help us to have the best, best mission month we ever had for him, for the gospel. And let's keep moving forward. Unless these stories and these testimonies not be just far and where. But let it be an everyday occurrence here at Faith Baptist Church. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for allowing us to call you Father. Thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for allowing us to be here. Thank you for making us part of your family and your story here. Heavenly Father, let us as individuals and as a church prepare ourselves at what you would want us to do in during this missions month. Prepare our hearts to answer the call as you see it fit to call us and to go and be sent. And preach to someone, to someone else. Let it not just be another activity. Another month. But that we truly. Be challenged and transformed. And grow. Thank you again. You're so good. You're so faithful. We praise you. In the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. We're dismissed. Okay.